0: time to blow the trumpet in Zion. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel, with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Today's broadcast is pre-recorded. That I would find favor with God. That I would find favor with God. Oh Lord, Oh Lord that I would find favor with you that each in this congregation would find favor with you would you come with your power and give us ears that hear and eyes that see and hearts that obey thank you Jesus Now, may your grace be upon us. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Isaiah 59, reading verse 16. He saw that there was no one, he was appalled that there was no one to intervene or intercede. So his own arm worked salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him.
1: And so the Lord looked,
0: and he was displeased, because there was no one to stand in the gap, there was no one who was willing to take the position of an intercessor for his people. And he said, Then I'll have to become my own intercessor. And you know, today the scripture tells us that Jesus is before the Father's throne, making intercession for us, constant intercession. Well, that makes me stop and ask the question, what is intercession? But before I can answer that question,
1: I have to ask another, what is prayer?
0: Because intercession is simply prayer. We need to talk about this in two ways. First, you have prayer, a man or woman's heart being lifted up
1: to the Lord Jesus. And in
0: that process of prayer, we've discovered that I have to know what God's heart is, what his will is, because the word says over in 1st John that If I pray his will, he hears my prayer. And if he hears my prayer, he answers it. So, prayer then is coming into the presence of God, finding out what his will is, praying that will, and receiving an answer.
1: Now, you recognize
0: then that I could pray for 20 years about a certain problem and the problem would never be solved. It would never be answered. And I would waste all of my time in the prayer closet praying and nothing would ever happen if what I am praying is not in accord with the will of God. So I can pray and I can be very valiant in my prayer. And I'm wasting my time if that prayer is not in line with the will of God. In fact, my prayer is not even heard. So the first work of my personal prayer life is to find out what is God's will that I could pray in accord with his will. And that's why, as a very immature Christian, he led me into the Psalms, and he began to say, now pray these Psalms to me. And so I learned to pray by reading the Psalms aloud before the throne of God. I was disciplined in learning this is God's will. The word is his will. So if I'm praying his word, I'm praying his will. That was the first step as a beginner who is going to pray. And then the next step was learning that I must take a specific passage of scripture into the prayer closet and ask the Lord, is this specific passage your will regarding this situation? the Lord would quicken passages of Scripture to my heart. And I would take that passage of Scripture before the throne of God. And quickly he would answer that prayer. So what is intercession? How is that different? Well, prayer, as we're speaking about it now, concerns my life. Concerns what I need concerns my hurts, but intercession is quite different because intercession begins to deal with what God's heart is for someone else. And so when I come into the prayer closet, I can begin to pray in such a manner that I may be very enthusiastic I can be bombastic in the prayer room, in the prayer closet. And all of it is of no avail. Because it's my will, it's my desire. It's not God's will. It's not God's desire. So as I go into the prayer closet to begin to intervene for another person... I have to go into that prayer closet and first say to the Lord, what is your will concerning this other person or this city or this nation? And if you have begun to pray in any serious manner, you quickly discover that if a little child... came into your presence and he said, oh, Daddy Kevin, I'm asking for a million dollars. And Daddy Kevin would say, what are you asking for a million dollars for? I want to buy all the children in the world a lollipop. You'd say, isn't that sweet? And you wouldn't even give $100 toward providing lollipops for all the children in the world. Why? Because the child coming in to ask for that million dollars for lollipops is immature. Doesn't even begin to understand the ramifications of what is being asked. And if the million dollars were given, the child would not know what to do with it. Would have no comprehension of how to work the infrastructure to provide a lollipop for all the children in the world. I mean, this child has no concept of what's going on here. And likewise, we can go into the prayer closet and begin to ask things that we have no comprehension of what it's going to take to accomplish that task. We have no comprehension of the price we're going to have to pay if God answers that prayer. And so he doesn't answer the prayer. And the reason he doesn't answer it is if he answered it, it would destroy us. Because we're children, immature, undisciplined, unable to step up And take the answer of God and do anything that would be worthwhile for his kingdom. I give you an example of that. In the Old Testament, in Exodus, the second chapter, Moses had grown up in body, but he was immature. In spirit. He has a burden on his heart. For his people. Now I want to stop just a minute. Because already he's in a class separate from many. Because many have no burden for the lost. Understand what I just said.
1: If you have no burden for the lost.
0: You can't even take a baby step. In coming into the presence of God. And so today we're talking about the baby steps. How to begin. To move into that place. Of intercession. In such a manner that we don't destroy our lives. Moses. He has a burden for his people. It says in verse 11, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were. You notice he has ownership of those he is reaching out to. One of the first principles of the beginner in intercession is to recognize that if you're going to pray for someone, you have to take ownership of that situation, of that person's life. How can you take ownership if you know nothing about them? How can you take ownership if you're consumed with your own life? If your problems and your burdens are so great... There's no room for the burden of another. I was touched on Thursday night by Jan saying, she cried out before the Lord, I can't can't bear one more sorrow. I can't bear one more sorrow. And the Lord said to her, I didn't ask you to bear your sorrow. I ask you to bear your brother's sorrow. But Jan's heart was so full of her own grieving over her brother's dying and over her family's being broken that she couldn't step into that place and bear her brother's burden until the Holy Spirit rebuked her and said, now step in and carry your brother's burden. And then she could go into that hospital room and she could speak God's word to his heart because Jesus was carrying her burden. Some of you are carrying such personal burdens and you want to hash and rehash those burdens. And each time you think them through, each time you speak them through, the burden grows heavier on your back until you're being crushed, your very energy is being drained from you by the burdens of your own life. How can you step in and take ownership of the burden of sin in Washington, D.C., if your own life is so burdened by your day-to-day living? How are you different from anyone else living in Washington, D.C.? And that's why this truth has a golden shine and glow of glory around it that says, give your burdens to Jesus. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why is he going to give you rest? So that you can bear the burden of the lost, not so you can be on vacation. Until we enter into that place of rest, we cannot take on the burden of the lost. That's why we spoke just recently about entering into that place of abiding in order to bind the strong man. The strong man ravages, he romps through our lives because that simple place of obedience that Jesus has asked us to step into, we have resisted stepping into it, And so the strong man is not bound, and our family is contorted. Our hearts are contorted by the strong man because we have no place of standing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I simply bear witness today that as soon as you step into a place of abiding, there will be peace and rest in your life. That simple thing that Jesus has asked you to do, that you've resisted doing, If you step into that, peace begins to flow. But now I have to warn you, the bad news or the good news is that that rest is short-term. Because quickly then he begins to say, now step into this next place of abiding. You've stepped into the abiding, turned off the television. You've stopped spending all the time on the internet. You've laid aside the newspapers. Now that was yesterday's business. It's taken care of. You don't have to go over that ground again. And now you're resting in that and you see God beginning to move. You see him responding. You hear him answering your cry when you go into the prayer closet It's it's vibrant, it's alive. The only reason things get dull and slow with God is because we have resisted stepping in to that place of abiding. But when we step into that place and we're there, then the heavens open up. Some of you are not even sure what that place of abiding is that you've been asked to step into because it was so long ago that the Holy Spirit spoke it, you've forgotten it. So you have to go into the prayer closet and say, Lord, I have forgotten what you told me to do, and my heart is calloused, and my eyes are blind, and my ears are blocked. Would you give me the grace of repentance? Would you show me what I've resisted doing that you've asked me to do? Will you teach me your way? Will you pick me up now? Lord, I'm a child. Will you pick me up in your arms? Will you begin to carry me? Those are prayers that the Lord cannot resist answering. And as you step into that simple place of obedience, in the small things, we're not talking about big things here. For some of you, it's leave the coffee alone. For some of you, it's leave the soda alone. For some of you, it's do this, give money here, go there, do this, and you've resisted doing it, and you've resisted doing it until you forgot that he even asked you to do it. Now as the Lord has our attention and we step into this obedience, he allows us to rest for a brief time, and then he opens up another place of abiding. One of the places that I have disobeyed the Lord and I've had to repent of this is that I have a great tendency to stay up late at night, to stay up until one or two o'clock sometimes in the morning, working on a project, reading the scriptures. Now, I used to do that and watch television. I don't do that anymore. But now I want to stay up late and read
1: or work on the editing board.
0: The Lord has said no. And so the new discipline and new place of abiding that I have to step into is to go to bed at the appointed time the Lord has told me to go to bed. I have no no room on this issue. I know that tonight, as I go to bed, at the time he has assigned me to go to bed, he'll give me rest. And I know that as I get up in the morning, at the time he has assigned me to get up, And as I go to my prayer closet for the assigned hours of prayer that he has given me, I know he will meet me gloriously. But I know that if I stay up tonight, till one or two o'clock, doing wonderful, godly things, and then tomorrow morning go into the prayer closet, he won't be there
1: because i disobeyed him now
0: let's be clear with intercession you're beginning to move into hallowed ground sacred ground when you begin to pray for others this is sacred ground this is the heart of god And as you step into that obedience to the Holy Spirit, he'll come and meet you in that prayer closet. How does one grow up in the Spirit? One grows up in the Spirit by stepping one step after another into every place of abiding or remaining in Jesus that he calls us to. Now, please understand... He cannot use a vessel that is filled with self-will, bitterness, anger, hostility. He can't use a vessel that is selfish, that is self-indulgent, that is lazy. He can't use this kind of a vessel, and he will begin to discipline that person's life, my life. This is what he's been doing with me over the last 15 years. No, 20 years. Discipline. So that day after day, he deals to the very bottom of my love of money. He deals to the very bottom, my love of applause. He deals to the very bottom, my love of success. He deals to the very bottom of my loving to be pleasing to others. He deals to the very bottom of my being afraid of anything. He deals to the very bottom, sending attack, sending teachers, sending reprimands as he calls me to step by step by step be in obedience to what he's called me to. And as I step into that obedience, his Holy Spirit comes with increasing power now, some of us would like the quick fix. We'd like to just say, oh, send revival now. You're saying, how can I send revival now when you resist it at every turn? How can I send revival when you won't receive the revival in specific areas of your life where I have asked you to submit to me so that I could revive you? Revival simply means Being filled and caught up in the Spirit. So how can I be filled and caught up with the Spirit when I'm filled with the desire for success? Or recognition? Or food? Or sodas? Or coffee? Or any other thing that the Holy Spirit has put his finger on? One thing for me may be an idol, and for you it's not an idol. I can have a cup of coffee. It's not an issue for me.
1: It'll give me a headache.
0: But the Lord's not going to reprimand me if I have a cup of coffee. But for another man who has found his comfort and his place of abiding in that hot cup of coffee, and he has to have that hot cup of coffee or he can't survive, then Jesus is going to say, Give that thing up. Because he is a jealous God. He will not allow anything to stand between his heart and your heart. So, Moses now comes. He identifies himself with his people. And he says in Exodus, the second chapter, he saw an Egyptian... Beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and glancing this way and that. Why would he glance this way and that? He was trying to preserve his standing in Pharaoh's court. He was afraid of disapproval. So he looks both ways, and he makes sure nobody's looking. It reminds me of some of you when you witness. Or when you pray, yeah, look both ways. Make sure it's safe. Okay, there's nobody looking. Do it quick.
1: Oh, that's flesh. You know,
0: what will they think at school if I bow my head and say a blessing over my food? what will they think at the office
1: if I bow my head and say a blessing over my food? They'll think I'm crazy.
0: Or what will they think at the office when they have the party and I say no thank you? When I don't rush into the dissipation and I don't engage in the
1: the gossip what are they going to think? They'll say, You're not one of the guys. Well, thank you, Jesus. I'm not one of the guys.
0: I've got a higher calling. Now, let me just stop. I need to say this. You know it. This is not anything new. It's no great revelation, but let me just say it again. The Christian. Who desires to find favor with God. Is about being a Christian.
1: Is about being a Christian. That's his desire.
0: When we're called to intercession. Everything that we do in life. Has to be asked a question. Will this. Help me in my intercession, or will this hurt me? Will this enable me to be stronger in the prayer closet, or will this take away my energy to be in the prayer closet? Will this food that I desire cause me to be sleepy in the prayer closet, or will it give me strength to pray? and then actions appropriate to what I'm called to have to be taken in other words if if God has called me to be his son if he's called me to be a participate uh, to participate with him in this glorious work of salvation then everything in my life has to be brought under this umbrella of being what God has called me to be, to do what God has called me to do. Everything else is secondary. Every relationship is secondary. Now, you recognize by what I'm saying that there is not much room in this kind of life for casual friendships. There's not much room for casual friendships because they drain away a lot of time but make no contribution to your life. You recognize that there is not a great deal of time to chit-chat on the telephone. Because after you've chit-chatted, you you feel empty. There's you haven't accomplished anything. You haven't done anything for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Empty Empty words. And so, in my life, I have two kinds of friends. I have friends that are fellow pilgrims on the way of the cross. And I have other friends that are war zones. War zones. For example, Tim and Liz are my war zone. I don't just go spend time with Tim and Liz casually because, oh, I love them and I want to have some time together with my dear friends in Baltimore. No, I have to go into the prayer closet and hear what God's word is to me. And I have to hear what God wants to do when he wants to send me because I have to go at war with the darkness that rules over their hearts. And if they decide at some point that the warfare is too stiff, and they want to cut me off, then they have a right to do that. But it will be because they have chosen to reject the word of God that the Lord spoke into my heart. It will not be personal. So you understand, the way we mature in our prayer life is not to come into God's presence simply with words. The way we mature in our prayer life, in our ability to intercede, the way we grow up. I mean, everybody is a beginner in this process at some point. We all have to start somewhere. And we start by going in and just pouring out our heart to God. This is who I am. This is the mess I've made. Now, what do you want to do with me to get me cleaned up? And he'll start to tell you, I want to do this, and I want to do this. And if you step into obedience and those little things that he's speaking into your heart, he'll begin to take you on a journey. The speed with which you move in this journey will depend on how much resistance and rebellion there is in your heart. For some of us, it's taken a great deal of time. But I would say to you, you don't have the 20 years that I've had.
1: God needs you now. God needs you now. Some of the rest of you with me
0: have been in the way a long time. You understand what I just said to you. You've been in the way a long time. And it's time for us to get out of the way. It's time for us to step into that place of humble obedience to the Lord so that the process can be rapidly accelerated of getting to the very bottom of everything in our hearts that would turn against the Lord, that he can begin to send us on his missions of intercession for the lost, that we might have authority in that intercession.
1: So Moses kills a man. And he thinks he's done something. So the next day he goes
0: out, And he visits his people again. And he sees this time two Hebrews fighting. And he's the man. He knows how to do it. And so he intervenes and he says, what are you hitting your brother for? Oh, how often in the body of Christ We think we're going to jump in there and settle everybody's differences. We're going to step in and straighten people out. We're going to tell them what they're supposed to do. As though I'm the great one who is going to come with the answers to solve your problems.
1: No. I wasn't called as the
0: divine portrait of wisdom. I'm not the fixer. I'm not the man with the answer. I was called as a humble servant of the Lord God of heaven. And my first assignment was not to preach, it was to pray. My major work is not preaching. My major work is praying. The work of the Christian may be, incidentally, to preach, to be an evangelist, to be an administrator, to be this or to be that, but the primary work for every Christian is to be an intercessor. There is not one gift of intercession there is the grace of intercession. Somebody comes to me and they say, oh, Pastor, I'm an intercessor. Do you have an intercessor team at your church? I run the other way. I know they're full of kooks. I've heard the strangest thing out of people who say they're intercessors. I run the other way. Oh, Pastor, could we pray for you? No, please don't pray for me. Why do I say that? Because intercession is the work of the whole body of Christ.
1: Remember Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. Well, where did those laborers come from? They came from the prayer closet. If they came from anywhere else, they'll do more damage than good. Where do do people come
0: from who do the work of God? They come out of the flesh, and then they do the work of the flesh. If they come out of the prayer closet, if they come out of the spirit, they do the work of the spirit. So the road into the harvest field is not the pulpit or the seminary. The road into the harvest field is through the prayer closet. It's intercession. It's in the work of intercession that we're disciplined and we see that my sin blocks me from having authority with God to reach out for the life of another. And that so grieves me. And I say, Oh God, bring me into obedience. Bring me into obedience. Don't let me continue to walk in this waywardness. Don't let me continue to walk in this rebellion against you. You see, if I'm only dealing with my life, then I can get a little bit of God and I can go for it and I can do great things in my life. I can make money, I can have a family. I can have friends. I can be popular. I can have everybody loving me. Oh, I can do great things. But where my nakedness is uncovered is as soon as I start to pray for somebody else, nothing happens. I have no authority. I have no power because I can't bind the strong man because I have no place of abiding with Jesus. There's nothing more conspicuous
1: than a naked intercessor. That's why so few of us venture into the work of intercession. But sometimes the burden becomes so great, we're driven to intercede. And our nakedness is exposed. And then we have to cry out, Oh God, where were those places of abiding that you told me I had to take? See, the first work of intercession
0: is personal repentance. The first work of intercession is personal repentance. Because I can have no authority. I can have no power. If there is sin in my life. That becomes quickly apparent. As I cry out to the Lord for the burden for my family. My children, my grandchildren. As I begin to cry out for the city of Washington. Washington. As I begin to cry out for the ministry of
1: springs of living water.
0: The Lord says to me. Are you in a place of abiding? See the Lord will come and check us on our places of abiding.
1: And then he'll say.
0: No. You're not ready yet. You couldn't handle it if I answered your prayer. The devil would have access to you. He would destroy your mind or your heart. He would destroy your life. Because you have not abode, that abode, that, that reposing down place, that bedroom with God. Don't have it. And that's why in his great mercy to this fellowship, He's encouraging us. He's not condemning us. He's encouraging us. He's saying to us, come into my bedroom. Come into that place of intimacy with me. Leave the bedroom of the devil. Leave the bedroom of wickedness. Come out of that place. Come and rest in me. Trust me. I'll do the work. This is not self-help. I'll tell you what I want you to do. You simply step into it and I'll do it for you. Stay in that place. I'll bind the strong man.
1: He's looking for a people
0: who will grow up and become lawyers in the prayer closet to accomplish the work he wants to accomplish in Washington, D.C. Finney, on one occasion, had a man come to him and say, Do you know so and so? Do you know this brother? Well, yes, I do. Well, he's at my house. Well, that's strange. He hasn't been at one of the meetings yet. Why is it your house if he's not coming to the meeting? Well, Brother Finney, he's he's the strangest sort of man I've ever known. He lays on the floor. He cries aloud. He groans. I've wondered if he was insane. Brother Finney said, No, no, I know this brother. Just leave him alone and everything will be all right.
1: And revival broke out. And over
0: 100,000 people came to the Lord in one year. Because this brother knew how to touch the throne of God, walked in holiness, walked with a
1: contrite and humble heart before the Lord. And the Lord moved with power.
0: When the Lord begins to move at the National Prayer Chapel in power, it will be because we have spent our time
1: in the prayer closet.
0: it will be because we have listened to the word of God and stepped into that place of obedient, abiding. I want to say this. I don't know how to say it. Some of you in this fellowship are still walking
1: in abject
0: disobedience to God. He's spoken to you over and over and over regarding a specific issue. He has said, go
1: to bed and get rest. He has said,
0: stop eating this food. He has said, clean your house. He has said, turn that radio off. He has spoken so many times. And yet we've absolutely refused to step into that place of abiding. And we say, why is it revival here?
1: See, Moses went out. He becomes the man.
0: He tries to set his brother straight. And the man responds, who made you ruler and judge over us? And that was the correct question. That's the question you have to ask every pastor. Who made you ruler and judge over us? You have to ask me that question. You have to ask anyone that question who comes to you. And if the answer is not Jesus, don't listen. But if the answer is Jesus, then listen. And walk out of bondage. See, Moses now is sent to the wilderness. And for 40 years lives in the wilderness being disciplined by God. You know the discipline? Cleaning the snot out of sheep noses.
1: Oiling them.
0: Binding them up. Pulling out poison weeds. I mean, doing all the things that you have to do when you take care of people. People and sheep are very much alike. It wasn't by accident Jesus called us the sheep of his pasture. They're not romantic bundles of joy. They get so heavy with their wool... They get wet and they flip upside down, and they'll die that way. They'll bleep themselves to death if the shepherd doesn't come and pick them up and set them upright. They don't know the difference between upside down and right side up. Anything like us? Moses was out there for 40 years taking care of those sheep. And that's when the burning bush came. From the burning bush, Moses goes back to God's people, and this time they say, Who made you ruler and judge over us? And they saw the miracles of God. They heard the voice that now was not the young smart Alec. They heard the mature voice seasoned in the desert, a man who has now walked in obedience to God and who has been circumcised. And now he leads them out of bondage.
1: What's your prayer life like?
0: Is your prayer life haphazard, hit and miss? Is it primarily about what you feel and you think? Or is your prayer life maturing and growing into a place where you have an appointed time and place where you meet with the Lord God of heaven every day? Will you come into his presence at that appointed time and you know he's going to meet you in that place because you have been obedient through the day and the hours of the night to walk steadfastly in his way? Is God sometimes there and sometimes he's not? Can you count on walking into his divine presence at his call day after day? And in that place, has he begun to speak with you quickly now about what he wants you to do? And are you stepping into obedience in that area? He'll test you, and then he'll test you, and then he'll test you. Quickly, you grow and mature in the spirit under the discipline of God. No longer feeling sorry for yourself. No longer moaning and groaning. No longer whimpering, but crying out to God. Give me, O God, your heart. Let me find favor with you, O God. That I might find favor with you, O God. That your glory would fill my heart. That the passion of your heart would be the passion of my heart. And that nothing would step in between your heart and mine. Is that where you are?
1: And I praise God.
0: This church has been called the National Prayer Chapel. We are not called the National Self-Seekers. We are people called to intercession. Everyone in this fellowship whether you consider yourself a part or not, the fact that you are here means God has called you as an intercessor. It means we've got to move beyond ourselves. It's always interesting to watch when a person makes a mistake. That's such a telling event. When I make a mistake and it's public and it's obvious, I'm always embarrassed. And I always pull back and I want to hide. Because obviously if I make a mistake, it's about how bad I am. The Lord God of heaven is saying, no. I want a people who are willing to make mistakes and who are willing to get right back up on their feet and face my throne and recognize it's not about you, it's about me. It's about Jesus. So where's your heart today? Is your heart tender toward Jesus? Is your heart willing to step into that place of abiding? Are you willing to begin going into your prayer closet and crying aloud for others, even though you know in doing so, you are going to be exposed and be naked before God? Are some of you saying, I can't take any more"? Then praise God because you're close to the place where God will finish the crucifixion in your life. See, this is not a make-believe crucifixion. This is real. To the finish. That God could use you. That he could use you as an instrument in his hand to accomplish his purpose. And the place he wants to use you is in the prayer closet. When you go to the prayer closet, And if you don't know what to say, sit quietly before the Lord. And if you still don't know what to say, read the Psalms aloud to him and ask him to teach you how to pray. Read the gospel aloud to him in the prayer closet and ask him to cut your heart. Read the book of Revelation aloud to him. Ask him to cut your heart. Have you found favor with God? You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. Great joy, with great joy